0: welding instructor alex DeClaire knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com metaverse impact
1: good morning and welcome to inside the huddle oh, excuse me homecoming edition uh, we're previewing Indiana's homecoming matchup against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It is a must-win game for the Indiana Hoosiers as they head into this one, 4-2. and two. Uh, Looking to get to 5-2, and two, heading into Michigan State next week. Uh, we welcome in our co-host, TJ Inman. TJ, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Sammy. As always, it's a pleasure to be talking football. I am uh, ready to go.
1: Good. Um,
0: yeah, we're going to break down Rutgers
1: uh, and Indiana. It's a homecoming matchup. Uh, Nick sent us a text this morning, which is hard to believe, that Indiana in Kevin Wilson's era is 0-4 on homecoming games. I think two of them came against Michigan State. Uh, I think Minnesota. that Minnesota debacle was a, a homecoming matchup a couple years ago. And I, I don't really remember what was the homecoming game uh for the first year but they're 0 and four uh and this this one this week is a must win
0: yeah it's a, it's a very uh very large game and we'll we'll talk about uh maybe the the stakes of it later i know that Matt Weaver's going to be on that's a, a great great time to talk to him uh about that um i i worry about um placing stakes on it that maybe are too big but I I don't think we can overstate it if you look at the uh the future schedule I guess you could say because after this they go to East Lansing um you know they will be heavy underdogs in that game Michigan State has not played particularly well this season but still uh you know that's that's going to be a very tall task to win that one uh, after that, you have an off week, and then, then you're taking on uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, you really have to look towards... And then you have Iowa. Um,
1: the, the, after that. Yeah, so, Iowa,
0: then Michigan. Okay, so it's, it's Iowa, and then Michigan. Um, yeah. So you've got to look towards those final two weeks of the season as your last kind of realistic chance to get wins five and six, and there'll just be you know, amidst pressure on a road game at Maryland and then a road game um, a road game against Purdue, you know, two games that you could win. Uh, you don't want to leave it to where your goal is getting to that, that bowl game. You don't want to leave it to where you have to win back-to-back road games to accomplish that. So, you know, this is definitely a huge game, uh, not only for the just – the, this season, but really for the overall direction of the program, uh, you lose on Saturday and you really feel like all of the juice from that 4 0 start is gone. Uh, you know, you, you can't. I don't think that anything has happened in these last two weeks that should have people saying, wow, things are falling apart because, you know, you had a disappointing performance against Penn State, but it was understandable. It's a game at Penn State, it's a game where you. Suffered a lot of injuries. You had a couple things go wrong early in that game that if they'd gone differently, you never know what could happen. You know, Penn State clearly played better than IU. They deserved the victory, no doubt about that. But I don't think there was anything there that you would say was terribly disappointing from Indiana's point of view. uh It was just injuries that you don't really have any control over. In the Ohio State game, you know, you're disappointed you lose that, but you can't be anything but encouraged by that performance. So, I don't think anything has happened in these last 2 weeks to drastically change your outlook on team a loss on Saturday would do that. Uh yeah, that's correct and
1: um you know, you know the injuries that's probably the most concerning part is that you hope they come back um they have I think they they have to play uh both Howard and Sudfeld this week. Uh if they're close to 100%, if they're sitting there at 60% and he can't protect himself, probably not. But you got to give it a shot. Um, if he's seventy-five percent or better, uh, give it a shot on the first drive. If if you see something you don't like, you could pull him. But this is this is a, a you know Matt was saying it's the biggest game in the Kevin Wilson era, and I'm I'm leaning towards agreeing with him. Uh, so you got to you know pull out all the stops and and give it a shot, roll the dice with Sudfeld and Howard, because if you lose this one, TJ, you're right. Going on the road at the end of the year there um, against Maryland and Purdue uh, to get two wins is, is very, very difficult. Even though there's two teams that are struggling, I don't think there would be anything better in the world for a Purdue football fan, aside from winning the Big Ten or winning a national championship, than to go and play spoiler at Ross 8 on that last day of the season with Indiana looking for a sixth win. Uh so let's get into the game. Uh what have you seen from Rutgers this year so far, TJ?
0: Sure, yeah, we'll we'll do a uh we'll do kind of an overview of Rutgers here, then we'll get into our keys to the game. Um, you know, Rutgers on the season has had a couple of results that really leave you disappointed. Um they lost to Washington State at home, uh which Washington State has you know, they've knocked off Oregon. Uh so it's it's hard to say that's a terrible football team, but that's not a good football program. Uh, you do expect to, to beat them when you're on your home field. Uh, they lost that one 37-34, which is a game that they consider a rivalry game. I don't think Penn State feels the same way about it as Rutgers does, but that was a game that they were never even close to competitive in. Um, and they've had a lot of, uh, a lot of turmoil off the field with, uh, Kyle Flood. Uh, the short of it is that he was suspended following some academic misconduct. To be honest with you, I don't really know how he still has a job. Um, he, the worst of it for me, I mean, yes, he broke procedure. It sounded like at the very least he was attempting to kind of intimidate a, a faculty member into, adjusting the grade of one of his players and then he admitted to making some changes what he called small corrections to a player's paper before a player's paper was submitted i mean that that to me that is gross misconduct that should result in uh, termination if you're supposed to be representing uh an academic institution but nevertheless Kyle Flood was suspended, and he will return for this game on Saturday, so he'll be back on the sidelines. Their best player, Leontay Carew, has also missed some games. Um, when he has played, he's been really good. Uh, their strength would be, I think, their skill position players. They've uh, they've got a good stable of running backs, uh, and then Leontay Carew is, is likely the best receiver in the Big Ten, one of the best in college football. Uh, He's extremely explosive. We'll talk about IU's plans for him here later on in our keys of the game, I imagine. Uh, Their defense can be considered a weakness. They play very aggressive, but they don't really hit home on that aggressiveness very often. They don't have very many sacks, and it it tends to leave them exposed in coverage. They have a weak secondary. I think it's uh, uh, somewhere in the 100s as far as pass defense goes. 111th or something like that. They've given up a ton of passing yards. Uh, this this is a game that I, just on face value, it kind of seems like both teams will expect to put up some points, uh, particularly if Indiana has Nate Sudfeld. Um, You know, Chris Laviano is the quarterback. He does not have a huge arm, but so far he's been pretty effective, particularly when uh, Leontay Crew is, is available. He's by far their biggest weapon on offense. They'll look to get him the ball. Uh, I think they should look to get him the ball more. And the play calling to me uh, has been a little bit interesting. With their their offensive coordinator is the uh, is a brother of uh, the Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. So that is a little bit of an interesting wrinkle as uh, the McDaniels family will be spending some time in Indiana this weekend, almost Saturday and Sunday. Um, but I, I don't think that the play calling has been very dynamic in his first year. Um, it's been a bit predictable to me, and I don't think they've utilized Carew when he has been on the field quite enough. Um, we'll see if that changes. Typically, they have not taken a lot of deep shots downfield, but Penn State hadn't until last week, and they decided to get aggressive against IU secondary, so maybe we'll see the same from Rutgers. Uh, Their running game, they've got some really good running backs, but uh, they haven't produced quite as much as I would expect them to. Maybe that's play calling. Maybe that's the offensive line. Uh, not entirely sure. But you know, these two teams, as far as um, a matchup goes, to me, it, it seems like a fairly straightforward, this is assuming that Sunfeld and Howard are playing, it seems like a fairly straightforward, the skill position players on both sides are the best, parts of these teams so they should be able to produce points I think that Indiana has a better front seven on defense than Rutgers does and I think that that should make the difference in this game so assuming Indiana is able to get their offense healthy and on the field I kind of like the matchup that IU has because I think Indiana will be able to make them a little bit one-dimensional. Peru is going to get his but I don't think anybody else is going to be able to hurt Indiana all that much but um, what uh, what did you have as, as your first key to the game? As we we get into that part of our show here. Uh, well, aside from me getting over a head cold, because uh, you know
1: that's important to I use winning too. Um, yeah, it's when I talked to the players on Monday, it was stopping the run and making them one dimensional. Um, yep. So uh, <coughs> excuse me. So I was talking with Nick Mangieri and Zach Shaw. As you alluded to, Rutgers has, uh, they go three or four deep at running back. So if you could stop the run early and make them throw the ball, then that pass rush could get to Laviano a little bit. And and maybe uh, Indiana's secondary can not worry about the run as much and and defend Carew and cause some turnovers. Because, you know, as many big plays as Indiana's given up, they've taken back a lot on uh, turnovers. So my first key to the game is stopping the run.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good key. Uh, They've got Josh Hicks as the leader of their team for carries. He's got 69 carries on the year, almost 400 rushing yards, four touchdowns. He leads the team in all those categories. But uh, Robert Barton and Paul James are both averaging 5.8 yards per carry, which is more than Hicks averages per carry. Uh, Those three are kind of the main running back. Uh, Their their running back carry distribution is kind of all over the place. Uh, It seems to be different each game. Josh Hicks consistently gets, I would say, a decent number, like a 10 to 15 number. Uh, Paul James kind of varies from getting anywhere from like 2 or 3 to 12 in a game, and uh, Robert Martin appears to be kind of in the middle of all that when it when it breaks down eventually uh it's Hicks and then Martin and then james, but I, we could see all three of those guys first significant portion of the game, but if like you said, if Indiana is able to stop that run, and I think that that number uh I put my uh, my primer that'll be coming out here a little bit later, I put that uh keeping that at something around four yards per carry Indiana. Uh, held Ford International to 3.7 yards a carry, Western Kentucky to 3.2, Wake Forest to 3.1. Penn State was able to get 4.8, but those mainly came with a boost from a couple of longer runs. Um, I think for the most part, I use run defense has been good. The key is going to be preventing those busted assignments, which appear the players have said it's a matter of lining up in the wrong spot or just, taking one step too much to the left or the right and just being out of position. It's not being missed tackles that is doing it. Um, if they can cut out those two or three big runs that they've allowed to Ezekiel Elliott and then to a lesser extent they allowed last week to, to Allen and Nick Scott, um, those out, and not allow those big runs, I really like IU's chances to stop that because the run defense has actually been pretty solid when they've had their full complement of defensive linemen available.
1: Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you, and, and I use defensive line has been playing well in the last couple of days. Uh, TJ, yeah. we're going to go on to the second key of the game. Um, my key is to keep uh, this generine, Grant, is the, their other big playmaker. He's a kick return guy uh, mm. who's played a little bit on the offense, if they keep him on ch- in check on uh, both kick returns and on offense uh, and limit those big plays from him, uh, IU should should be good to go. Um, don't let Rutgers take the ball out on kickoffs uh, to the 35 and, and further. Uh, Griffin Oaks has been terrific at uh, getting touchbacks. I think he's one of the better kickers in the Big Ten, if not the nation. So we'll see. That's a, a matchup to watch is, is Griffin Oaks versus Janarian Grant.
0: Yes, as far as kickoffs go, Griffin Oaks has been everything you could ask for. Uh, He's doing a really good job of putting the ball in the end zone and not letting teams get their return game going. Uh, The coverage units have been really good whenever they've been asked to to make a tackle on those. So I I agree with you. engineering Grant had an amazing game against Washington State, Uh, put up over 300 all-purpose yards and, and nearly won that game for them. And they talked about, uh, earlier in the season, they talked about trying to get him more involved and get him more touches on offense. He plays kind of wide receiver, um, but he doesn't really catch it all that well. He doesn't have any targets, uh, fewer than 10 targets on the season, I believe. Um, So they haven't really followed through with attempting to get him more involved in the offense. We'll see if that changes, because he is... He is dynamic with the ball in his hands, and if Indiana doesn't allow him to get any returns, maybe the maybe Rutgers will will try to get him involved in offense with maybe some quick tunnel screens or something like that to try and get him on the outside with the ball. But uh, he's he's definitely a, a dangerous player. Indiana's done a good job with the dynamic returners that they've faced so far. Like you said, hopefully that can continue on Saturday. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, that's definitely – you can't give them free yards. Um, uh, the yeah. next uh, key to game, TJ, is catch the ball. I use receivers have gotten uh, – you know, they've caught the drops dropsies a little bit here um, in the last couple of games. And, you know, no matter who's the quarterback, whether it's Danny Cameron or Nate Sudfeld or Nate Boudreau uh, or, or whoever else they run out there, um, the receiver's got to catch the ball. Uh, Damon Graham has uh, – has had butterfingers and should be moved from that backup slot position. Simi Cobbs has kind of reverted back to last year's uh, version after a strong start. He needs to get refocused and start making big plays because, you know, if you can't catch the ball, that takes away the pass as well. It doesn't matter, you know, if you have John Elway or Dan Marino back there, if your receivers can't catch the ball, your quarterback's useless.
0: Can Can you remember Cobbs getting a target last week?
1: I don't remember Yeah, it. he he caught he caught one ball. It should have gone for eight yards, but he went backwards. I think it went for five.
0: Oh uh, um,
1: yeah but yep, he's okay. I think it was in the first half. It, it was buried in there, but um yeah. he needs to he's a six four guy, he's a matchup problem. Uh he had a decent game against Ohio State, but he had drops in key situations and yep. you know you just can't have that.
0: Yeah, I think overall on the season, you'd say he's taken a step forward, but the last couple of weeks have been uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing for him. And um, I think I would like to see IU target Ricky Jones early in the game. Um, it seems like they kind of forget about him. It's one drive, he'll so get like three or four targets, and then he'll go a long stretch without getting any targets again. He's been a guy that drops have not been a problem for. I'd like to see him continue to get the ball. I'd like to see Mitchell Page get involved again. Uh, And I I know that Corsaro had the costly drop last week, but I still think going to the tight ends is a a good idea, Um, you know, as as often as as possible. You don't want to force it, but I do think it should be a a big part of the offense. And then, you know, we saw uh, the coaches make a comment about, the freshman receivers, uh, Thornton and Westbrook, maybe being a little bit more involved here moving forward. I'd be a fan of that. They've looked good to me so far. And I, like you said, there needs to be some more production coming out of that slot position. If those guys can provide it, I'm all for that. But you're right, the receiver position overall needs to be better on Saturday. Uh, the weather, you know, it figures to be in the 50s. Looks like it's going to be sunny wind does not appear to be a factor so it should be a pretty ideal day for whoever the quarterback is hopefully it's Sudfeld um I'm right now I would speculate that the quarterback depth chart is going to be Sudfeld Danny Cameron and then Nate Boudreau is kind of the emergency guy Um, but if not then Cameron's going to get the start whoever it is the receivers have to step up and, uh, and allow for the SIU offense to sling it around because I think they should be able to have success against Rutgers. Um, yeah, you know, one thing that, definitely. Yeah, yeah, one thing that I, I looked at with Rutgers' defense, I know that Washington State is a bit of an anomaly because of that Mike Leach air raid, uh, but Rutgers gave up 559 yards to Washington State. They gave up 471 to Penn State, and that's before – Penn State really opened up their offense at all. That was mainly just Penn State doing whatever they wanted. uh Kansas has one of the worst offenses in the entire country. They got three hundred and forty two yards and then last week, Michigan State had nearly five hundred They had four eighty nine uh and Michigan State does have a good offense, but four eighty nine is a lot to give up to them um so they you know they're surrendering. Almost 25 points a game. That's not terrible. It's right in the the middle at 61st, but uh, the S&P Plus rankings have them as the 109th-ranked defense, and a lot of that is because they do bring pressure, but they don't hit home. Uh, Kimoko Toure leads them in sacks, and he's got two. So, you know, this is is a team that Indiana should be able to move the ball against if that offense can get healthy. And really – I think that they should see some success even if Danny Cameron is the quarterback because I think Cameron uh, is good enough and the skilled position players are good enough to at least score some points. Um, but definitely having Sutfeld is going to be a key. So the IU offense, number one, needs to get healthy literally. And number two, needs to get healthy in terms of feeling good about themselves getting on track again after a rough week at Penn State. Um, and then one of the keys that I had um Yeah, I I guess at some point we have to talk about Leontay Carew and how Indiana's going to defend him. Carew, on his career, he's got 25 touchdown catches, 97 catches overall. Uh, This season, it's been a bit rocky for him, to say the least. He was suspended for the first half of their game against Norfolk State, uh, came in the second half, caught three passes. All three were touchdowns, 129 yards. So that's, that's a pretty good half. Uh, Washington State held him in check for only 52 yards, and he was really frustrated after that game. Um, It was evident on the sidelines late that he was uh, kind of throwing a hissy fit about not getting the ball much. Um, And then he was indefinitely suspended following an incident after that game outside the stadium. Something occurred. We're not entirely sure what all happened. The accusations and the allegations were that he uh, slammed a, a woman uh, to the concrete. He was um, on going to be facing trial for charges of battery. The charges were dismissed, and he was reinstated to the team. So he missed the games against Penn State and Kansas. Last week, played against Michigan State, three touchdowns, 134 yards. So when he has played, he has been very productive in two of the three games. Um Year, he had 125 yards and two scores so he did have success against IU secondary last year totally different group this year but I think Richard Fant is going to be the guy Brian Nohr hinted that uh, Fant would have to have a really good week against Carew I would expect he'd see safety help so either Dutra or Crawford would kind of be shading towards Carew constantly giving Fant some help Uh, with double coverage, which means that other guys are going to be in single coverage situations. So really the entire secondary needs to to have a good game because if you are shading coverage to double up somebody, obviously the guys that are in single coverage need to do their job exceptionally well because they won't have any help over the top. Um, I I think Jonathan Crawford might be a guy just because of his size and athleticism that you look at shading towards him. There, there can't be any busted coverages at all against Carew, because if you do, it's six points.
1: Yeah, and I think you you said this is in what two at two and a half games. He has six touchdowns, so the guy's a playmaker, um, and he definitely changes their uh, the the, the dynamic of that offense. Um, So, and we'll see. You know, he had five catches last year for 125 yards against IU. They know what he could do, and and they're going to have to to bear down. And, and the best way to do it is is to put fans on, on him, and then get pressure on the Laviano, so those routes don't develop.
0: Uh, also, what right. would help
1: is if you know, I use offense could get going. Yeah, and in, in yeah,
0: terms definitely. of the depth
1: chart, in terms of depth chart, TJ, uh, you know, some people take it as gospel, but um, the one that was released yesterday is Xander Diamant as the backup quarterback. Um, he's probably going to miss two weeks. So this is why I, when I, when I tweeted out, it's, it's for what it's worth. Um, I, you know, it, make of it what you will. And, and, you know, it's basically, uh, toilet paper to some people and other people, uh, you know, like to break it down. Like it's, uh, like it's gospel. So, uh, we'll see. Yep. They need Nate Sutfeld. They need Jordan Howard. I, I think they need Sutfeld more than Howard. Uh, they could survive without Howard. I believe, um, but, you know, it's going to be – it's it's a big game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, this is – you need this one. The players know they need this one. The coaching staff knows they need this one. Um, hopefully the fans know they need to get this one and, and turn out in full force.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I one, one final key for me, because um, it jumps out at you when you look at it, uh, the turnover battle is one that Indiana's got to be hoping that they're able to exploit on Saturday. IU plus nine on the season. That's good for fifth in the country. Rutgers, uh, minus six. So you've got a difference there of, and they've only played five games. They, they did not have any against Michigan state, but three against Kansas, three against Penn state, three against Washington state. Uh, the turnovers against Washington state are the only reason they lost that game. Um, so you know you got to hope that if this one's close, those turnovers, Indiana is able to keep taking care of the ball on offense, which is impressive because they've you know they really shouldn't have had one last week. It wasn't Danny Cameron's fault that that ball got picked off, but uh, three different quarterbacks and all three I think have done a nice job of taking care of the ball for Indiana. Uh, you know whoever's been running the ball hasn't fumbled very often at all. So and the defense has done a good job of not just getting close to making plays but actually doing it and making those plays whether it's interceptions or fumble recoveries uh call it opportunistic call it lucky whatever you want i think through this point of the season you have to say that uh you know turnovers are something that indiana um is excelling at something the rutgers is struggling at let's hope that continues on saturday yeah <laughs> definitely and it's beyond lucky now it's
1: They've done it for six games this year. Uh, the last three games last year, they did it well. So it's more of a pattern than than being lucky. Although some people might say it's still lucky um, with turnovers. But you know, we'll see where they go from here. Uh, you know, they got to get something going in the kick return game. IU that is. Uh, Rutgers, I think we we alluded to on Monday uh, gets third kickoff. Uh, their touchback percentage is around twenty one, twenty two percent. So. Uh, maybe we'll see, uh, you know, a little move on, on kickoff return and see uh personnel change. Um, but who knows, you know, it's, it's something that they're probably going to play close to the vest uh, because it is such a big game. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see from there.
0: Yeah. Something has to be generated positively uh, because the opportunities are going to be there to return those kicks. Um, you know, I, like we have mentioned on Monday, we'd like to see someone get another try there. Um, I, there aren't a ton of great options, but I think we both agree that Mitchell page might be the first guy we'd like to see, uh, give it a shot on Saturday to, to try and create at least some type of number one, you can create momentum and number two, you can create advantageous field position. So, uh something needs to needs to happen back there at kick or turn because it appears that Rutgers doesn't do near as good a job as Indiana does as putting that ball in the end zone on kickoffs.
1: Yeah, and um, well, 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 when we talk to Matt, we'll ask a little bit more about the importance of this game, but let's uh, take a quick uh, trip around the conference. It's uh, a day that's going to be uh, highlighted by... Michigan, Michigan State up in Ann Arbor. Uh game day is heading there. Um what what do you see from that game? Uh TJ
0: Well, it's uh you know, it's a huge rivalry. Um it's not quite as big for Michigan fans as Michigan Ohio State is, but you know, it's still a it's still a very big rivalry. Michigan State certainly um, has had the upper hand in recent years. They've won six of seven, but I, uh, I, I really think Michigan's going to clobber them. Um, I don't think I think we're at the point where Michigan State isn't just quote figuring things out or just taking it easy until they get to tougher opponents or whatever the excuses have been in previous weeks. You know, you look at their marquee win against Oregon. That looked awesome at the time. Well, Oregon has lost three games now. You know, they're 500. Michigan State has one win against the team with the winning record, and that was Air Force, and they're 3-2. and two. Uh, They've been outgained in three of their six games, calls against Purdue, close calls against Rutgers. I, just, I think that Michigan State is a pretty good team. I think that they deserve to be ranked, but I do not think that they are anywhere close to the elite outfit that people thought they were going to be. Michigan, on the other hand, is destroying, right? Destroying people since that loss to Utah, which you know Utah now is ranked fifth in the country. So losing at Utah by seven is nothing to feel bad about. Um, You know they've they drilled Oregon State, they beat UNLV, they shut out their past three opponents. They just, I mean, they returned the opening kickoff against Northwestern, and that was it. That game was over. They didn't need anything else. They got a bunch more. I mean, they beat them thirty-eight nothing, but. This defense is operating at a historic level right now, uh, and the offense is getting better. They're running the ball well. I think Devion Smith is expected to be back to 100% on Saturday or at least as close as you can get as a football player in the middle of the season. Uh, so I think he'll, he'll carry the load for him on offense. Rudock is not turning the ball over like he was at the start of the year. He's still not at all explosive, but... Uh, He's not turned the ball over, which is what they're asking from him. The good running backs of Smith, Ty Isaac, Drake Johnson. I mean, this is, it's just a really, really good football team that Michigan has assembled. And I, I you know, unfortunately, Jim Harbaugh appears to be rolling very early in his tenure. And uh, I, I expect that to continue on Saturday.
1: Yeah,
0: <clears throat> definitely. That that'll,
1: game, that'll be a game that. That I'll watch again later, just because it's at the same time. Uh, next up, yeah. the, the, the second headliner is Penn State at Ohio State. Um, both teams are undefeated, uh, and it's usually a good rivalry game between the
0: two of them. Uh, what do you see with them there? Undefeated in uh, the Big Ten East, Penn State had the opening week loss to Temple. Since then, they have uh, you know they've they rallied off five straight home victories. So. That's good. This is the first time they're going on the road since they lost Temple. I think their offensive line has improved some since that opening loss, but it still is a concern for them going up against Ohio State's defense. Um, you know, Ohio State, they're they're favored by, I think it's like 17 or 18. I haven't checked, uh, checked on the most recent line, but um, – I think it's going to be kind of hard for them to blow Penn State out because it is elite. I know that IU was shorthanded on offense, but Penn State has a very solid defense, and they're getting a couple of more guys back. I think Saquon Barkley is expected to play for them on Saturday at running back. So uh, this is going to be an opportunity. Penn State played them very tight last year uh, in Happy Valley. I I think you'd have to obviously expect Ohio State to continue their Big Ten winning streak, but I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for the Buckeyes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, nothing
1: this year has been a walk in the park for the Buckeyes, uh, really. Uh, next up, yep. we're going to go uh, to the Heartbreak Kids of Nebraska. They're going to, to Minnesota, put a hurting on Purdue last week. Uh, does Nebraska finally, you know, they have four losses in the last uh, minute uh, this year. Is there, are they, uh, you know, are they snake bit or are they, they going to pull uh, a rabbit out of their hat here?
0: Well, I you gotta if you're a Nebraska fan, you've gotta wonder how much emotionally the players have left. Some people think that you know that doesn't matter; they just forget about it, play the next week. I I don't see any way that's possible. They've got to have some emotional scar tissue uh, from all these close losses. I mean. They're they're two and four for the first time since the 1950s, and uh, some of the Nebraska like fan sites that I've, I've read, uh, they're they're not pleased at all with the late game management from the coaching staff. I thought that they got incredibly conservative on their last drive. They had the ball under two minutes to go, a chance to kill the clock against Wisconsin. All they needed was one first down. They just ran it up the gut three times. Uh, which hadn't worked all game. They handed it off to Monty Cross, who hadn't really gotten anything going all game. When you have mobile Tommy Armstrong, you could have rolled him out, and I think he probably gets the first down pretty easily. But I am not a coach, and I am definitely not as smart as those guys. But uh, Minnesota might have rediscovered their identity last week. Uh, they, they spent all offseason trying to balance their offense by working on the passing game. It never took... Being a physical running team is the identity of Minnesota football. It's what they should be doing. And uh, they just pounded Purdue last week, 100 or 326 rushing yards. Shannon Brooks is a freshman that really looked great, had over 170 on the ground. So I I, I really have no clue what to expect from this. Is Minnesota going to be the offense we saw against Purdue, or was that just them running over a, a hapless maker defense that has thrown in the towel? I, I don't know, but uh, I would expect another close game because that seems to be all Nebraska plays. Yeah, uh, definitely. And next we'll we'll go to Purdue
1: and Wisconsin. Um, Purdue is coming off a – it's not a gun, gut-wrenching loss as it's close. It was a gut-wrenching loss because it was so bad. Uh, I believe the final yeah. was uh, 40, 48-13 against a team that had been shut out last week. It was at home. Um, and whispers are starting about Hazel's job security, um, or getting louder. Not starting. They've been started for a while. Uh, does Purdue have a shot this week, or is uh, is Wisconsin going to run roughshod over them uh, up at Camp Randall? Well,
0: yeah, they, I think Purdue has a shot, just because Wisconsin has really been operating with a thin margin for error. They've done a good job of finding ways to win but this is not a vintage Badgers team. They don't run the ball very well. They've got some injuries. They're running back. The offensive line is too young uh, and inexperienced to really dominate and impose their will the way that we've seen uh, you know, Wisconsin teams of the past decade do. Uh, but they do have a very good defense, which seems to be a theme with about half these Big Ten teams. Defense is kind of carrying the day at the conference um, at some places, not all, as we are well aware. Uh, but, you know, Purdue, gosh, you kind of have to be wondering what exactly the future of the program is. I mean, you, you've you won two games against FBS opponents within Darrell Hazel's tenure. You have one Big Ten victory. That was against Illinois. Uh, you know, I, the last week you just get completely obliterated by an offensively inept squad at least we thought they were offensively inept. Maybe they're not, or maybe it's just your defense. I, you, know, you have to wonder what exactly that coaching staff is doing to improve the players that they bring in, because so far it's looking like they're not really adding any value to the program. They're just collecting a paycheck. Uh, I'm sure they're working hard, but their hard work doesn't appear to be paying off. And I, I'd be fairly surprised... Uh, I'd be fairly surprised if they make a move only because it does not appear that the administration is really committed to having a successful athletics program right now. Uh, their fans, they they appear to be kind of apathetic about the situation with the football team, uh, downright angry about Morgan Burke, their athletic director, and the what they feel is kind of a – negligence of the overall athletic department. So things are are not great in West Lafayette. I don't feel bad for them at all. I'm glad that they stink, and I hope it continues. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: I I just feel bad because, you know, people deserve an athletic department who cares. Um, I don't care that they don't stink. It's whatever that's on them. Make the right hire. Uh, But I do feel bad that their athletic department is basically – that we we don't care anymore, and and that's it's sad to see because Purdue has a great history in football, and they could really be a you know one of those teams who makes a run every couple of years um, at seven eight or nine wins, and and maybe once a decade uh, makes a run at that Big Ten East uh, or a Big Ten championship. Um, yeah, but I mean, in that division, you know, those... there's
0: no excuse. Yeah, that division, there's no excuse not to be competitive. There's just not. I mean, there's. There are not. You don't have traditional powers in that division. You have good teams, and that that the Big Ten West is a lot better and more competitive than I thought it was. But I mean, you just look last week Northwestern, which a lot of people thought, "Oh, look, it's you know it's a really good team in the Big Ten West," and maybe they are, but they played what a lot of people thought was the third best team in the Big Ten East. Which it appears Michigan is not the third best team. They're better than that, but you know, you look at kind of those teams that are sort of in that same position from each division, and it wasn't even a contest. And that, you know, you could look long-term for the future of the programs, and you would say it wouldn't be a contest in five years either. So it's it's really – there's no excuse to be totally inept in that Big Ten West. You just – you can't do it. And I I, I do – I feel for the fans that have to feel like there's no hope. Because they're not seeing any commitment to make improvements, uh, you know. It was the worst athletics-wise. It was the worst year for Purdue last season, overall with their athletic department, all their sports combined. Um, and their athletic director got a raise. So you know, you just you have to feel like, what exactly is its job title if it's if he's getting a raise when they're historically as bad as they've ever been. So I, yeah, it's a a tough situation. They've, they've, like you said, it's a traditional, uh, at the very worst, they should be decent. They should put a decent product onto the field based on their history. And they're they're not doing that now and they haven't for the past decade. So uh, I'm sure that they have to be really frustrated about that. My only hope is that uh they continue to play like this for the rest of the year so that i u can get that third straight bucket yeah um <clears throat> i mean
1: yeah winning winning there three times has something have, hasn't happened uh since the mid forties uh, next yeah. game we're we're going to final game on the big ten slate is uh number seventeen Iowa at northwestern is a big game for the big Ten west. Um, Iowa's gonna be without Drew Ott the rest of the year. He's out with torn ACL. Uh it was suffered in practice. Uh, Northwestern coming off as shellacking at Michigan. Uh so we'll see how they rebound. Uh what are some things to watch here, uh, TJ?
0: It's a, it's a really interesting one. Yeah, you know, I was just talking about the Big Ten West and Northwestern. You know, if they can win this week at home, they're right back in, you know, one of those driver seats. There are multiple driver seats because it's still early in the season, but uh, a loss here for them at home would give them the one and two in the Big Ten, and and would probably ruin hopes that they that they had a couple weeks ago of being the uh, the West representative in Indianapolis at the end of the year. Uh, you know, they're Iowa six and zero, they're two and zero in the Big Ten. They got a huge win uh, at Wisconsin in, in week one of Big Ten play, and then last week were able to to do enough to give. Excuse me. Get by Illinois. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to expect because Northwestern was, you know, one team for the first five weeks of the season, and then really just got obliterated in every phase of the game by Michigan. I do think Michigan is really, really good. It was a, a disheartening performance from Northwestern. You expected them to be, at least be competitive there, so. I'm not entirely sure what to expect here. Uh, Iowa, like you said, losing Drew Ott, that definitely hurts their defense, which has been a a good unit for them so far, especially the secondary. Desmond King, uh, one of the best ball hawks in the nation so far this year with uh, quite a few interceptions. Northwestern's defense, still a top-ten unit nationally. Uh, they're going to have to play like it because it doesn't look like Clayton Thorson is going to be able to win the any games with, with his uh, at this young point in his career. They're going to need to rely on Justin Jackson to have a good day on the ground, and they're going to have to lock up North, or, or Iowa's offense, which has been, like we've said most of the season, it's been a pleasant surprise to see them kind of open things up. And uh, they've got Jordan kent Berry, a good running back, CJ Beathard has been a you know, above average quarterback. Pretty good. Cool I, he <clears throat> I heard he might.
1: I heard Beathard might be out as well. It might have been something I just scrolled over Twitter uh, real quickly last night, um, but that, that I heard be, that he's uh, questionable for the game.
0: Okay, that that would certainly put the onus on Northwestern to get that done. Uh, that would that would move them back to two and one. It would move Iowa down to two and one, and really. It boils down to this. A victory for Iowa means that they are the definite favorite to win the West the rest of the way. This would be wins at Wisconsin and at Northwestern for them. Um, A loss really opens the door back up for Northwestern. Iowa would still be in it. It would open the door for Wisconsin, I guess, would still be in it, and Minnesota would still be in it as well. So, it would really jumble everything up with with an Iowa loss but that's a big one uh quite a few very interesting games in the Big Ten on Saturday so it it should be a fun fun weekend
1: yeah it should be and the weather
0: should be great uh we're waiting on Matt yep. Weaver to
1: uh call in and uh, speak more about the uh the size and the importance of this game on Saturday uh TJ you'll be you'll be down in Bloomington uh you, you do your game primer every week. Uh, what are some of the homecoming activities that people should, you know, go see?
0: Sure, yeah. Um, like I said, it's homecoming, so there's the traditional, you know, Friday night festivities, uh, parade and pep rally begin at 530 on Kirkwood. Um, as a part of homecoming weekend, the varsity club is going to have varsity club day, so they'll have a bunch of activities around on Saturday. The I Association is going to recognize former IU athletes who earned their varsity letter, their first varsity letter, excuse me, uh, 50 years ago this year. And then I think it will be really cool to have the 1945 football team honored uh, during Saturday's game. Uh, 75 years ago, the 1945 Indiana Hoosiers, led by George Talaferro, one of the best players in program history, they went undefeated, were Big Ten champions that team is going to be honored Um, and I kind of think that IU might wear the black eye helmets to kind of nod to that homage, uh, pay homage to the 45 Hoosiers. We have no idea, but they're also going to have Indianapolis Colts college tailgate tour. I don't know what that is, but it's going to be an East concourse. I imagine Colts will hand out a bunch of horseshoe stuff. Uh, And then Some band called Sheila Steven and the Rodeo Monkeys are going to be playing at the Hoosier Village. I have no idea what kind of music that is, but that is a great name for a band, the Rodeo Monkeys.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, Matt Weaver has called in, TJ. Um, Matt, how are you today?
2: I'm pretty good. How are you guys doing?
1: Uh, We're doing okay. I think I caught whatever that guy at Penn State had sitting behind us and sneezing all over us. Uh, so things could the be human, The, the, human, petri yep, the, the human, human Petri dish?
0: Yep. The human Petri dish? <laughs> yes, One more
1: um, reason to dislike Penn State. Yes. In that tiny, you know, small press box that made me feel like I was sitting at the kids' table. Um, but, Matt, uh, this is a, a, a huge game for IU. Um, what is the importance of this game going forward?
2: Well, I mean, I... You hate to say it's the biggest game of you know Kevin Wilson's time or the biggest game of the season, but I kinda think it is i mean you you got a tough game after this at Michigan State, and then you got the bye week um and then you've got uh, Iowa and Michigan at home, and then a couple of road games Maryland and purdue uh, this game's huge i think they I think they have to win this. I think this is an absolute must win um it's homecoming it's against a team that you should be able to compete with, and it's a winnable game um and i i I think it's a must win for for this program.
1: Um, what, what do they need? What does IU need to do to win this game? We mentioned that they needed to stop the run and, and limit Carew, but what else uh, do they need to do?
2: Well, the first thing is they need to get healthy. They need Nate Sudfeld back, and they need Jordan Howard back. I, to me, Nate Sudfeld would be a little bit higher on the pecking order than Jordan Howard. Um, not to take any away from Jordan Howard, he's fantastic, but I think the drop off from Sudfeld to his backup. Is way bigger than from Howard to his backup. I think you can win with Nate Sudfeld at quarterback and Devine Redding at running back. I don't think you can win with Danny Cameron at quarterback and Jordan Howard at running back. So they, they, in my opinion, they need to get Nate Sudfeld back. Offensively, they need to get the run game going. Whoever's back there, the, the offensive line needs to play better. And some of that would 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 be um, would uh, you know would be helped if Nate Sudfeld at quarterback because that changes what the defense is going to do. And then defensively, you can't let Carew beat you. Somebody else is going to be – if they beat you, it's got to be somebody else. You can't go off for like, you know, eight, ten catches and 150 yards and three or four touchdowns. You know, um, you got to get them in third and long and then hope your pass rush can uh, can get
0: after their quarterback. Right.
1: Speaking of Sudfeld, is, is there any – has there been any word? I know that the depth chart came out yesterday and it had Dander listed as number two, which we know that's not going to happen. Um, is this going to be a game-time decision like it was last week?
2: I, I, I something tells me and this is just my gut feel, something tells me that I um they'll know beforehand. I, I you know, if I had to bet I, I think I think he'll play. You know, we watched him before the game last week and um you know, I don't think he was moving obviously hundred percent, but I thought he was moving okay. His throws look pretty crisp. Um and he's had another week to uh to um you know, kinda heal up and, and rehab and all that stuff. So, you know, and and this, you know, Rutgers not setting away from Rutgers, but they're not Penn State defensively. I don't I don't think you have to worry as much about him trying to get away from pass rushers and things like that. You know, I think if you could set up a game plan where he gets the ball out quick, you don't have to have him in the pocket or you know, put him in situations where he would have to move around and maybe aggravate that ankle, I think they could do that this week. So, you know, my guess is we may not find out until before game time, but I would think they kinda of have an idea, you know, going in that um whether he can play or not.
0: At, at
1: what point do you think that they they don't play him? If he's 75%, does he play? Or if he's 60%, does he not play? Uh, how much of a chance are you, or how, how much are they going to chance this and roll the dice here?
2: Well, I think it's – I don't know if it's a percentage. I think it's basically an eyeball test. I think, you know, Coach Wilson and Coach Johns will watch him, and if they feel like he can run the offense, he can make the throws that they need him to make, and he can move it – you know, he can move around enough um, where he's not a liability or where, um, you know, it's just basically going to really – you know, if he's to the point where he can't move at all, like he can't go laterally to avoid a rusher or to step up in the pocket, then that may be a case where you don't play him but I think if they feel like he can move a little bit, and I thought he was moving okay, like I said, before Penn State. Not great. I mean, you could tell there was, there was still some discomfort there, but I didn't think it was as bad as during the Ohio State game. So hopefully another week will get him better. But I, I think it's all going to be about can they can he protect himself in the pocket and can he make the throws that he needs to make.
1: Right. Um, outside of the injuries, is there anything really concerning about the Penn State performance that Hoosier fans should be worried about, or is it, you know, you're missing your top two players and really you can't compete without those two guys.
0: Well,
2: I guess to me, that's kind of the concerning part. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, obviously going forward, you want to get these guys back and, and but it's something that's got to be addressed. It's, you know, if you get them back and they don't get hurt the rest of the year, it's not a big of a deal, but you know, uh, it's something that needs to be addressed going forward because there's obviously a significant drop off to a couple of positions to the backups um, to the point where it's even hard to compete Penn State um has a, is a solid team but that was a game that Indiana should should have be been able to stay in um now obviously without Howard and Sudfeld it made it hard but you know I it's just it's kind of concerning that there's such a huge drop off to your number 2 quarterback and kind of to your number 2 running back and then you're kind of thin at both spots um you know other than that I thought the defense played played solid I mean they gave up some big plays but they're on the field a lot you know, I think there was uh, I think we were talking on the way home, there was like twelve drives right in the end didn't go more than seventeen yards on offense. I mean, you just can't do that to your defense. There's just no way you can put a defense out there that much and expect them to continually make stops. But I thought they played okay. You know, offensively, getting the guys back will, will make a big difference, um, in my opinion. And you know, the, and the offensive line needs to kind of kind of you know, buckle down and play better this week.
1: Yeah, that that was my concerning point from Penn State was the offensive line kind of got beat up. Now they're going against great competition in Ohio State and Penn State that the offensive line kind of got beat up by those two guys, uh, two defenses. And, and Rutgers really uh, doesn't sport that kind of talent on the defensive line. Um, what's your feeling Matt you were down in Bloomington yesterday what was your feeling of, uh, around the team i got the feeling that they have a, a little bit more sense of urgency did that come across to you as well
2: yeah i mean i talked to i, would, I talked to a couple guys i mean they, the guys excuse me, the guys who came in um you know they seemed they seemed pretty upbeat they seemed uh, confident you know they seemed focused uh, i talked to Richard Fan i talked to coach uh, coach Larry McDaniel, the d-line coach and and um you know i i I think, you know, um I think they understand that this is a big every every game is a big game. I'm not trying to say one game is more but when you know you've lost two in a row and you got a game at home against a team that's that's you know you can compete with and that's very winnable if you play well, you know, it's you got there should be a sense of urgency and 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 I I I I get the sense that there is. Um you know, I think they'll come out and I think they'll play well on Saturday. I just I hope that they're um you know, they're playing pretty much uh, with a full deck instead of missing a couple guys. But I, I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to play well and put on a good show.
1: All right. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, TJ,
0: you have any questions? Yeah. I. One thing that I – you know, if we're talking about must-wins for the kind of the future of the program, which that we're not hinting that, oh, if they lose this game, Kevin Wilson's going to be fired. We're definitely not saying that. But let's say hypothetically things kind of go off the rails here. Uh, maybe the injuries stick around, and they're eventually they're unable to get to that six wins after the four and zero start. You know, a lot of Big Ten teams are looking at making coaching changes. We know Maryland is. It's possible that Illinois is going to not go with Cubitt. Uh Purdue might end up making a change. Rutgers might end up making a change. So when you have all these programs around you that are kind of a similar stature that are making coaching changes, do you think the administration will look at that and say, you know, we're not entirely sure about Kevin Wilson based on what has happened this year, but we're going to opt with stability when everybody else is going to rebuild? Do you think that's something they'll look at, or is it we can only focus on our program and not look at what the rest of the conference is doing?
2: Well, I think you always have to take a, uh, a a view of the landscape. But my opinion is, you're either 100% behind your coach or you're not. And if you're if you're not 100% behind your coach, and if you're not sure, then 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 maybe you need to make a change. I mean, that's that's kind of my viewpoint. I mean, I, I you know I don't know if there's a number as far as as many wins. I've always said I've always thought that they needed to get a bowl game this year. And if they went one and seven, or you know, God forbid, 0 oh and eight after a four zero oh start, that's going to be tough to sell if you bring him back you have to extend him i mean i I don't yeah. know how you can't uh, him on a two-year contract is a lame duck coach and recruiting will absolutely be dead in, in the water you will not get anybody re- recruiting wise that's any good you just won't you'll be mac level players and that's not going to work so if you bring him back um can you sell a coach who's not going to a bowl game in five years and has basically won like 20 less than 20 games in five years uh can sell him as a give him give him an extension. I don't know. That's that's what in the to decided, but I wouldn't it wouldn't be a great year to make a coaching change, but if you're not behind him then that's what you should do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And then has has any any of the recruits that you've been in contact with we you know you can't get specific on any of that stuff, but uh has the kind of the outlook on this season nobody's pulled the trigger or anything, but has the outlook from those guys' point of view, how are they looking at kind of this this four and two starts that for the most part has been pretty positive? Uh how are the recruits that appear to be waiting on the the rest of the season to commit to Indiana, how are they looking at things?
2: I think they've been. I think they've been impressed with the start. I mean, obviously the last two weeks have been tough, but it's not like you know they were. They were obviously not playing terrible competition. Ohio State's number one in the country, and Penn State's you know pretty solid. I, I think that there are recruits that are waiting to see how they do, how they finish up the season. If they get to six, seven wins, I think they, there'll be some guys they might be able to pull in. Maybe you might be able to flip a recruit or two, or guys who are committed elsewhere. So I think it's still kind of a wait and see. And I think I think the guys who are committed are still fully on board. I'm no reason to believe they're not. And I think there's guys that they're that they're after that um, are close to pulling the trigger as long as, you know, the season keeps going pretty well.
0: Great. Right. yep, yeah. Tremendous. Thanks a lot, Matt. We really appreciate having you on. It's, uh, it's always great. We'll have to do it again.
2: Okay. Thanks guys. I appreciate
0: it. Yep. Thanks Matt. We'll see you on Saturday. Okay. Take care.
1: Thanks. All right. That was Matt Weaver from com. He's our uh, uh frequent guest of the show, friend of the show, friend of the the site. Uh TJ, um no bars held. Uh it is a big game. The the future is not wholly dependent on it. He's not gonna get fired if he loses this game. Uh but all your momentum from that, that first four games uh are are probably gonna be wiped out if, if you lose this one. Uh so it's a big game. Uh we'll both be down there, including uh Nick as well. Uh, so, I keep coming back to Hoosier Huddle uh, for all your content. TJ's game primer uh, should be out at the, later today, TJ. Yeah, yeah, it'll be up this afternoon, uh, scheduled to launch at 2 o'clock. All right, so we'll have this game primer up. TJ, as always, a pleasure talking Big Ten football with you, uh, and we'll see you on Saturday. Absolutely. Have a good
0: rest of the week, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, go Hoosiers.
1: And that's going to do it for our pregame show of Indiana versus Rutgers. It's homecoming. Uh, Enjoy the festivities. The weather should be fantastic uh, for football, maybe a little on the chilly side, but that is football weather. So bring a sweatshirt to the game. Uh, Enjoy. Get some tailgating in. Uh, See the homecoming parade if you can. Uh, If not, uh, follow along uh, with us on Twitter. It's at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, Of course, it's uh, Hoosierhuddle.com. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your week.
0: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. dot edu slash
1: podcast.